This is Bush and Rich's Daily Takeaway. So I'm starting to show a bit aggrieved. I feel aggrieved this evening. Let me just explain what's happened over the past 24 hours. I was so excited last night, tail end of the show. If you remember, the last bit of the show was off uh, finishing up going to watch a gig. Yep. Uh, uh, go and see Interpol, brilliant band at the Roundhouse in Camden in London. Uh, we finished the show. I met my friend Colin, who lives across the road from us, sat in Golden Square for half an hour, drank some cans of lager out of a carrier bag. Fantastic. Watched some fellas learning a dance routine for breakdancing. Just a, you know, a summer's <laughs> night in London. It was brilliant. Got on the tube, headed towards Chalk Farm or whatever it's called to uh, to go to the to the roundhouse as we got off the tube again very excited the first message that comes up on whatsapp is from my mum right and uh, it's a message from my mum saying andrew she's the only one who calls me andrew do you know that the interpol gig you're going to has just been cancelled your mum's very connected isn't she what about that the the, the bit of info that they cancelled with an hour to go came from my mum geraldine (laughs) So, and then we're, that's it. That's the evening torpedoed then. The trains went a bit hooky. We ended up having two beers in Camden and then got back at... Like, used the pass for half 11 getting home. And, and we never even seen anyone. There's you know the I mean? thing. You must feel robbed because you and I, we have similar lifestyles at the moment with the children. We don't get many nights out. Not at all. So when you've got one, when you've got a pass, to have it, like, torpedoed by a band cancelling and hooky trains. It, it, it hurts. I feel like I want to get one of those, um, you know, delay repay cards. <laughs> For a night out that's not quite panned out, do you know what I mean? Like, but, can I get some my, my credits back, please? And you hand that to Interpol. Hand it to Interpol. This is the thing. This is this is what I, how I feel a little bit today. I feel I don't mean this in a bad way, but I feel like Interpol owe me one. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I don't mean the International Police Agency. I mean the bands. They cancel with an hour to go for whatever reason. Uh, and I do feel aggrieved about it. So I thought, let's, let's turn this into something, this anger into something usable in the show. If there is someone or something that owes you one because they let you down for whatever reason, do tell us about it. Have you ever had a situation like this? Yep, 10-year-old me, 1987, my first ever Arsenal game. John Lukic, my favourite player, Arsenal goalkeeper. Uh, it was the last game of the season, so went along so excited. For finally going to our first ever football match. I get there because it's the last game of the season, because there's nothing riding on it. John Lukic has been rested and they're giving the reserve guy a goal and go, uh, a go and go. George Graham owes me one, Arsenal Football Club. Star. I think John Lukic does as well. So He's involved, yeah, he all three of them. foot down and say, no, I'm playing it. Yeah, they owe you one. Yeah. They owe you one. Interpol owe me one. Jess, I feel for Jess, says I came back from a honeymoon yesterday. The airline's lost one of our suitcases. So, yeah, they owe me big time. What a way to start married life without all your stuff. I've, that's, luckily, don't want to tempt fate, it's never happened to me. My friend Elliot has had like four or five of his bags lost. Um, over the years we've travelled a few times in America I remember one trip we were going out to Louisiana I got up in the morning um, um, ahead of like going down to the airport and Elliot was out in the back garden with his with his case painting a big white X on it with, yeah. with, with like emulsion paint and I said to him what are you doing and he said I'm putting a white X on it in case they lose my bag again so I can describe which one it is <laughs> that is what happens when you've had your bag loss a load of times uh, Adam says uh, Colonel Gaddafi owes him 50 quid uh, I was due to be on the BBC Radio 5 Live as a motoring journalist on Tony Livesey's late night programme. It was the night that the Libyan intervention kicked off. So I got bumped, never got on the show, lost me £50 BBC fee. Thanks, Gaddafi. <laughs> um, I've got form there because the last time I was at the Roundhouse in Camden, I went to see Morrissey play yeah. and he did one song, got laryngitis and walked off. <laughs> That's two gigs on the trot where I, I feel like I'm owed one. So is your beef actually now with the Roundhouse and less with Interpol? Maybe it is. And then we, I've, I've been to an awards show at the Roundhouse, one absolutely now. <laughs> <laughs> so look, if you if there's someone or something that owes you one, uh, tell us about it on Home Time tonight. Hazel says uh, 
Jensen Button was winning the Formula One Championship. For the Silverstone Grand Prix, I thought I'd get to see a British team and a British driver win, but Formula One banned the diffuser on their car and he struggled to get anywhere. I felt robbed. Why not want a British team at the British Grand Prix? I've actually parked up in a lay-by to tell you this story. This, the anger burns for so long and that's all, all about a diffuser. Poor it's unbelievable. Uh, we've got Nick on the line. Nick, who owes you one? Mick Hucknall. He, um... <laughs> Mick Hucknall owes you one. Yeah. He owes me quite a few hundred quid. I took my wife uh, as a surprise present for Christmas. Uh, we were watching Simply Red one night, and she was singing along, and I didn't know she liked them. And then the, um, the, they decided that they were, uh, you know, they were splitting up, and I think it was about 2010. So I thought, great, I'll get some tickets. We'll go down. I'm in, I'm in Sunderland. We'll go down to Sheffield. So I booked a hotel. Booked the meal, got the drinks and whatever. Like a farewell and tour, this is, right? It was a farewell tour, yeah. Right. And there was a TV show special about it. So we went down to uh, to see them. The gig was fantastic. Macy Gray was supporting them. They were absolutely brilliant. And then on the radio here, like about maybe a year later, 18 months later, New World Tour for... <laughs> Hock no. Hock no, why I order. <laughs> that's like the equivalent of the furniture shop that's always running a closing down sale and then yes, they're, still, they're still open. <laughs> so I've tried to get it back off him, but he doesn't answer me letters or anything. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> try Mick Hucknall at blueyonder.co.uk. I think that's what's we'll, do, we'll do. I'll try that one. <laughs> Cheers, Nick. Thank you very much. Take See care. You. Catch you later. Uh, New York Giants. Uh, Gaz in Stabridge says 10 years ago, I meant to go to one of their games in New York only to find my friend Richard. Richard, instead of purchasing game tickets, had brought car park tickets. We didn't even have a car. He owes me an NFL game. I tell you what, if you've seen the Giants over recent seasons, you dodged a bullet there, Sunshine, that's for sure. <laughs> right, we've got Paul on the line. Paul, who owes you? Yeah, Charlie Theron owes me nine quid. Nine Very quid. specific uh, figure for a Hollywood A-lister. Paul, what's going on? Well, she was filming at my local pharmacy in Shepparton, near Shepparton Studios, on a Friday, and I was waiting for my prescription, and I went to go and get it, and they were shut. So I had to go and get an emergency prescription from another pharmacy, and it cost me nine quid. Wow. <laughs> so she really did owe you nine quid. That is unbelievable, isn't it? You're out of pocket. Do you, whenever you watch a movie with Charlize Theron, do you think about that uh, expensive prescription? I do. Every time I see her, I think she owes me nine quid. And the interest rates must be, you know, must be at least 10 now. Yes. Paul, do you happen to know what the movie was that was being filmed at the pharmacy? Because we could see how much it grossed, and there, there obviously is the money in that budget to pay you back. Yeah, it's the uh, Netflix Old Guard. Right. OK. Right, yeah, see, Netflix don't—they don't reveal so so much how they've made their money. It could be tricky getting this money back. But we will work round the clock to try and get the money back for you, Paul. <laughs> and recoup those losses. One other thing, and I think everyone's thinking it—it's the elephant in the room. Everything cleared up now with that prescription. You all all right now, Paul? Yeah, everything cleared back up. It's uh, yeah, back back in full working order. Fantastic. <laughs> Just wanted to check. Charlie, to be pleased to hear. <laughs> Cheers, Paul. Jack Piper has emailed us. He says, Bush and Ritchie, 15 years ago, the Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh came to visit my school Oof. as it had recently been built. Oof. The Duke of Edinburgh pulled all of us year six together and said he was so impressed by our good behaviour that he would, by royal decree, give us the next two days off school. It, it was a Friday. <laughs> he owes us two days. The Duke always had good bants. He did have good bants, and that's two <laughs> days in lieu. Uh, right, let's uh, see who's next on the litigation list. Karen, who owes you? Jamie Oliver. <laughs> Jamie Oliver owes you one. Explain all. I was brought a 60th birthday present. You don't sound it. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. 
<laughs> I was brought a 60th birthday present for Vietnamese street cooking lesson. All right. Yeah, had hotel booked due to go on the Saturday, and he went bust on the Wednesday before. Oh, my word. So you had these lessons for Jamie Oliver's cooking, and then, unfortunately, his business went down yeah. down the Kazi. That's right. That's right. Never cooked a meal of his since. Karen, <laughs> <laughs> that's brutal. I mean, so brutal. Obviously, in this particular story here, it's a shame for Jamie his businesses went bust, but I, I guess there's no room for that emotion with you when that soils your 60th birthday. Exactly. Exactly, yes. You sound like yeah. a woman who doesn't take any prisoners, Karen. Is that, I is do that correct? not, no. <laughs> so watch out in the future. Yes, yeah, exactly. If uh, cross me and that's it, you've had it. <laughs> <laughs> the Daily Takeaway. Richie's Daily Takeaway. If you are a regular listener to this show, you will be uh, familiar with my two younger brothers, but specifically Scampy Fry's brother. Oh, yes. Uh, over from Miami with his family for the first time in four years, and uh, uh, you lot helped me source a lot of Scampy Fry's for them to uh, head back with, and they head back tomorrow. So it's been a lovely fortnight of eating Scampy Fry's and catching up and seeing them. Mission accomplished for him. He's got the haul of Scampy Fry's taking them back. Exactly, but not quite mission accomplished. They go back tomorrow and there's one little thing that I still need some help from the home time audience on it's a mathematical question right so instantly I'm out the light's gone out above my head like 15 to 1 and you know me I'm out as well we're not very good on this no we're not well we'll try so my 10 year old niece young Rachel very, very hot on her maths. And uh, yesterday morning we were going around London having a bit of uh, uncle and niece time and she's testing me on my times tables. What a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you come all this way and you ask your Uncle Rich times tables. Thanks very much. Deary me. But I was performing quite well. And then she, then she asked me this question and I was so dumbstruck, as was Scampy Fry's brother as well. Uh-huh. Neither of us had an answer for it and I thought... I'm going to record her asking this question because I know the home time audience, they're learned people, there will be mathematicians or at, very, at the very least teachers or professors professors listening to this show yeah. who will have the answer. They're a very cultured bunch, aren't they? So here is the question that Rachel needs to know the answer to. Why does the times tables only go up to 12? Good question. Thank you very much. Let's see what people think. Ooh. Why do times tables only go up to 12? Think about it. When we were at school, yeah. we learnt our times tables. Once, two is two, two, two is a four, three, four is a... Leave it there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get to ten, that's an easy one, because yeah. it's always like got a zero on the end. Eleven's then, a joke. Eleven's a joke, because it's always double the number. You get to twelve, bit of a push, and then we stop. Yeah. And then, when you're learning times tables, you learn your one, your two, your three, your four, all the way up to 12. No one learns a 13 times table, do they? This is like that moment in Truman's show where he kind of notices that maybe the the, the environment in exactly. which he lives is, is a fabrication. We've just believed what people have been telling us. We're asking this big question for Rachel, but there are actually probably mathematicians out there thinking, no, we've been rumbled. That's like an alert gone out. OK, the, the guys on Home Time are asking that question. We need to close this down. So... Teachers, mathematicians, clever people. Why do times tables stop at 12? 
There has to be a reason that we never go on to 13, 14. 20 is quite a handy number. I'd love to see a 30 times table. Exactly. What about that? What if you're counting 30s, groups of 30 stuff? 25 would be a good one. You're up to 100 pretty quickly. So, look, I mean, if, if you are, like, you know, like you say, in the business and there's nothing hooky going on here, yeah. please have the courage to step forward and be a spokesperson for your type. And I don't want to pull at heartstrings, but they go back to Miami tomorrow. I'm seeing them one last time tonight. I would love for Uncle Rich to go back with an answer this evening and at least just dot the I and cross the T on the times table question. Natalie says, you don't need 20 and 30 tables as it's the two or three times tables with an added zero on the answer, you silly billy. No one wants 13 of anything. Fair enough. Multiplication tables do not end at 12. They are infinite, but we only learn them up to 12 because they then become difficult. I don't, I don't, that's I don't, not an answer. I don't think there is anything beyond 12. Maybe that's, that's it. It's just like, uh, you think there's something there. And this is like a papered over wall. Matt says, I'm not 100% sure, but it's probably because 13 is a prime number and 14 only has factors of 7 and 2. So, and now, so my, my brain's gone to mush. I'm just thinking, wind your neck in, Bamba yeah. <laughs> This text says, people count up to 12 on one hand using joints and fingers. So, 3 times 4 equals 12, maybe? I've got 10 fingers. And like they, they use joints or something like that? No, yeah, but each finger's got... A joint, so I've got ten joints. People used to count up to twelve on one hand using joints in fingers. One, two, three, four. I don't know what he's going on about there. Uh, Steve, you got an answer for my niece? I do have an answer for your niece. They stop at twelve because when they first decided what times tables to do, we had old money and we measured in feet and inches, and there's twelve inches in a foot, and there was twelve pence in a shilling. Right, and you're saying this like when they were first deciding. What, you were there, were you, Steve? You at the meeting? <laughs> no, no, I'm definitely not old enough for that. But uh, it's what I've been told by teachers over the years as to why they go up to 12. It's, it's just a historic thing. But I think what Richie's getting to the very heart of this evening is that the teachers have been telling us this and we've just been accepting it without questioning it. Do you know what I mean? It's almost as if, Bush, the teachers decided one day someone's going to ask the question, we've got to have a ruse ready to go. Exactly. And they're all like, they've all like motivated themselves tonight and everyone's piling in on this imperial and shilling thing and hoping we'll swallow it. Steve, we can, well, we can, I... we can set you up at a, uh, a neutral location, give you a brand new surname and job and everything like witness <laughs> relocation if we're willing to blow the whistle on this huge farce. <laughs> can you can you make it somewhere that's metric? So I only need to know up to my ten times table. Yes, Steve. yes, we can do that. <laughs> Is Keith the man? You've got an answer, Keith. Yeah, yeah. It's um, to do with the Babylonians. Um, they uh, had a base numbering system of sixty, so everything was um, a division of sixty back then, including things like um, seconds, minutes hours, like 60 seconds in a minute, 60 minutes in an hour, 24 hours in a day, 12, uh, 12 half hours uh, per day, etc. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's kind of progressed through into our times tables as well. So, you know, we have a 12 times table as our, as our top times table. Wow, so it's all down to the Babylonians. David Gray called it not that long ago. <laughs> it is in many ways about the Babylonians. Uh, what an amazing thing. How do you know all this kind of stuff? How do you know this stuff? Um, it's just something that stuck in my head from when I was younger. Um, I, I was looking wow. at it with regards to, to times uh, um, a, a while ago because I was looking at clocks and, and times and things, and it's just stuck in my head. Keith, it's a very, very interesting fact. Um, uh, I, I want to go back with answers for my niece. Um, she's very, very good on her countries. I am a little bit more ignorant. Where would the Babylonians be now? Oof, uh, I, I don't know, to be honest. <laughs> 
Ah. That's a tricky one. That's another question. They're out there somewhere. There's a whole other show. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's an amazing bit of info, though, that you've got stuck in your head from your youth. Because I, I look back to what I've got in my head, and it's like how you puncture the top of a beer can to make it spray out so you can drink it at a bus stop. <laughs> well, I've got bits of information like that as well. So, Good man. <laughs> it, it takes all types, doesn't it? Exactly. She's got a ticket to ride. He's got a ticket to ride. They've got a ticket to ride. We'll get you there. We're so excited about the Isle of Wight Festival this weekend. We'd absolutely love it if one of you guys came with us. Should we meet tonight's contestant? Let's do it. I'm geared up for that. All I've got written down here is he's called Frank. Frank, tell us about yourself. Uh, hello, lad. Hiya. Uh, wait, uh, Frank. Originally from Newcastle, li- living and working down at High Wycombe, living in a caravan down here through the week and head home at the weekend. Oh, you've got quite the life, Frank. I'm jealous of that. It's like Alf Weider's own pet. What's going on for you right now? I- I've always <laughs> wanted to live in a caravan. What's it like being in a caravan during the week? It's, it, it's great. You, you, you can have some real good, intelligent conversations with yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Frank, you're not on the run, are you, by any chance? <laughs> I said this show was on the edge, didn't I? This is it. I called it. This is us going. Hey, Frank, you might not be heading north at the end of the weekend. You might be towing that trailer down to the coast, my friend. Uh, If you can work out what's going on underneath this foghorn. Have a listen. Frank, the lyrics, please. Gone to fight with next door's school. It's exactly how Sug sings it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> correct. Well done. Go to the Isle of Wight Festival. Lovely. Excellent, fellas. Thanks very much. And, and just to you know, clarify what Richie was saying, can you take your caravan with you? Can you go down to the festival with your caravan? No. Oh, it's a static. I a tow bar on the back of my car. Oh. oh. If anyone's got a tow bar and they can give Frank a lift down to the Isle of Wight Festival with his, uh, with his fun carriage, his, his caravan, then please get in touch with us and we'll, we'll sort it out. What about that, Frank? That's excellent. That's brilliant. Yeah. Good, good lads. <laughs> well, there you go. We're on the edge and we're getting further on the edge. Uh, keep listening to Absolute Radio for more chances to win your way to the Isle of Wight Festival. It's this weekend. This is the Daily Takeaway. We're trying to get to the bottom now. I think we're getting close to the uh, the 12 times table and why it stops at 12 and doesn't go, go, go on to others. We had uh, 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 a reason put to us uh, a few moments ago uh, from Keith saying it's uh, down to the Babylonians. We then got confused yeah. as to where Babylon was. Well, uh, James in West Yorkshire says, Guys, Babylon is what is now known as modern-day Iraq. That appears... To be truth, because I'm looking here and it says that the Hanging Gardens of Babylon... Oh, I've heard of that, yeah. ...hence Babylonia. In fact, Babylon was once the largest city in the world and that is now 53 miles south of Baghdad. So David Gray in many ways is involved in all of this. (laughs) David Gray has been holding back the whole Times Table community. It's all down to him. We've got an answer for you. We we said we'd get you an answer. (laughs) So is this enough for your for your niece or what? I am. Once this show finishes at seven o'clock, that is where I'm heading. I will give her the answer. I I may even record it, and depending on how successful it is, you'll hear tomorrow. I want to hear her disappointment. 